Greetings, Matt comrades. It is your humble DM, Mike Gergoni, here to let you know that we here at Material Components are now part of the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. Punch-Up is proud to present such podcasts as Panel Up, The Action Shelf, and The Very Podcast you're listening to right now. And of course, the best way to support all of these shows is by going to patron.podbean.com slash punchup and becoming a patron today. When you do, you'll get access to all sorts of bonus content, including a brand new one-shot from the folks here at Material Components, in which our heroes attempt to solve a murder in the urban fantasy streets beyond the veil. If you ever wanted to hear Michael Lisman playing as Detective Sasquatch, now's your chance. Once again, that's patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Thanks for all the support, and now, let's get you into this week's episode. Material Components, Season 2, Episode 77, On-Site Review. Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about a galaxy of magic and the adventurers who live there, brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble dragon master, Mike Gergoni, and joining me, as always, are my stalwart adventurers. Hey, adventurers. Thanks for being here. Oh, heck yeah. You're welcome. No problem. I've got How you doing? Uh, Hey, everybody. I am Olivia, and I will be playing Florian of Akalar. I am Elliot, and I'm playing Shay, the Elven Wizard. I am Michael, and I'm playing Oswald Octavian Theophilus Third. And I'm Reed, and I'll be playing Amari. Indeed. And of course, before we begin today's session, I have to ask the same question I ask every time, and that is... Reed, do you remember what happened last time? I do, I do. I was going to say, you bet your sweet bippy, but I don't think that's going to have a lot of play with this group. <laughs> now, Reed, yeah. if you could please explain <laughs> to me where my <laughs> sweet bippy is. You know where your sweet mm. bippy is. Mm. I can't say it. This is a podcast for children, okay? You can't, you can't Show me that. on the doll where the sweet bippy is. <laughs> We're getting too focused on the sweet Bippy. What about what mm-hmm. happened last time? Mike? That's right. I'm sure. Is there anything there. else? I don't think there's anything else now, right? No, this yeah. is a podcast the sweet about the sweet only Bippy. This is all sweet Bippy. Yeah. No, 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 no. You all, Reed's right. We have to refocus. Reed, what ha- happened last okay. time on your sweet Bippy? Okay, mm. so last time on the sweet Bippy, it, it, mm. this joke is run its course. Anyways, <laughs> what last time? Sweet, like on, of Zach. Uh, sweet life of Zach and Bippy. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, fun things happened in in a different sort of way. Uh, narratively fun things. Uh, Shay got uh like ripcorded, like pulled out of the metafe, having had a conversation with Mara, saying you know things were going wrong, and uh their conversation with Ariel had taken a interesting turn uh the the contents of which the rest of the party are not privy to um so having pulled shay out we're now getting underway with our next leg of our adventure uh we've decided as a group to venture forth to pride rakasa's recently not discovered but like 
uh, acquired moon base moon 3098675 mm-hmm. um where mm. we will be setting up shop um and we've uh we've set out towards there um florian spent some time delving into some void research um had some interesting things with like i want to say mental static but like inability to see certain things like like uh not like a fog of war but like oh no i saw plenty yeah and then there were some fun (laughs) things with bones a little yeah yeah Mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. good all creepy stuff all Mm -hmm. culminating with the uh, the discovery of the bleach tongue doctrine, which basically said that uh, researchers don't research the void because it causes them to go crazy. So it just they just don't do it. There's other things that they could focus their time on that don't drive them mad. You know what's fun? Um, Gravity or magnetism. Yeah, yeah. The, uh. the void is green and bad. Don't touch it. That's all you need to know, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. And so on our way to this new uh, moon base, Shay and Amari had a conversation, having pulled up to the way gate that is kind of in the greater Minos area and pointing out a specific celestial body, saying, like, there it is. That's where it all came to an end. And it was a brief conversation. Didn't want to delve into too too many emotional details about the war. But, yeah. And uh, eventually... <laughs> We made our way to the moon base and had a, a brief conversation where we got clearance to land and found that this moon base is extremely bare bones. It is several bones. shipping containers glued together. Calling it a base is maybe even a little generous at this point. Mm. <laughs> Just trying to look cool in front of my friends. <laughs> You've discovered that Pride Rakasa has been gifted by the all-too-generous hegemony, the mineral rights and uh, production management of a particular star system, which includes, at least at first, two operational colonies. And again, calling them even colonies is maybe a very generous term, but one of which is here on this moon, which, yes, indeed, we have officially dubbed 3098675. It's very subtle of us. Very, very Mm. subtle, indeed. And as you pulled up, you had a brief exchange with two of the individuals who dwell in this place. As I described briefly before, it is, in fact, barely more than a collection of prefabricated buildings that have been set down near a sloping hill that appears to be the exterior of a small mining operation. The ship pads, if you want to call them that, and by that I just mean a patch of land that has been cleared for your ships to land on, has a sixth building near it, and that building is just one of the other buildings tipped up on its side and used as a command tower for the comings and goings of vessels. Now, I have a question, and this is, are we dealing with, like, a a moon a la our Earth's Luna, where there is non-breathable atmosphere, or has this been terraformed to the point where you can walk around without their, like requiring of a spacesuit. As I briefly described at the end of the last episode, I, I will reiterate, though, this particular moon is one of about 
a dozen other moons that orbit a large gas giant, which is in the Goldilocks zone of this particular star system. So when I say moon, I do mean terrestrial bodies about the size of Earth that just happen to be orbiting an even larger planet. Okay. In the same way that Endor was technically a moon, this place is also technically a moon. It just happens to be a very, very large moon that also has a breathable atmosphere, semi-normal gravity, and temperatures that range within bearable extremes of sapient life. Moon in the sense of satellite. Yeah, exactly. Two of those moons have, quote-unquote, colonies on them. And this is the one you are landing on that is, in theory, the more secure of the two. But if this is secure, you'd hate to see what the other one looks like. <laughs> the settlement you saw on your way in as you were landing the Tiresian, like I said, composed of five buildings total, two of which are three stories tall, kind of stacked next to each other, and have really jerry-rigged-looking scaffolding staircases bolted to the outside of the building. It looks as though they were just three prefabricated buildings laid on top of each other to create this three-story kind of triple-decker trailer kind of situation. And the stairs had to be bolted on later so that you could even get to the door on the second and third story. The other building appears to be, the one closest to the landing pad, appears to be little more than an big like warehouse or shed there is also a larger kind of have you ever seen the buildings at a gravel pit that are just like big scaffolding with a roof on it but no walls one of those is right by the landing platform and it is full of crates that appear to be packaged material that's been mined and is ready to be transported off world hmm. <laughs> there are two blockier squatter buildings near the mine itself which all of these are no more than about 100 yards away from the mine entrance. This place is small, squat, and built up next to this hillside with a small little, uh, what was probably started as a creek, but has now kind of flowed and washed out more to become a proper river as they're using a series of pumps to use uh, water mining techniques uh, to like cut into rock. Uh, those buildings appear to be some kind of pump station, as well as a larger squat, maybe command building of some kind. As I described before, there are a total of three spaceworthy vehicles on this planet, and you're flying one of them. The other one that has already landed here and has probably been here for some time is a much larger vessel that bears the colors of Pride Rakasa. You presume this is the ship that Layla got here on. The other is a bulk transport ship. You got to think a space 16-wheeler. It is little more than a large series of emerald aethite connectors that can be linked up to, like, basically gravity well a bunch of shipping containers together in a train behind it. Gotcha. The other vehicles like here... Life. Just like in real life, yeah. The other vehicles here are little more than land skimmers, personal transports that can get you across open terrain. Nothing incredibly maneuverable. The area surrounding this camp is mostly consisting of thick forests, though based on first approximation as you're coming in uh, and exiting your ship, you can see that a large patches of the forest around the campsite are withered and dying. 
Uh, and that is very much the case on the hillside around the mine itself. Uh, you can see that the land has kind of been scraped clean around the campsite. There is a dirt track running through the center of it that appears to be where a lot of the hover transports have like flown continuously to like pack down the earth there. Uh, there is no one to greet you as you exit the Tiresian and come out into this broad dirt patch near this large uh, covered area with uh, materials ready to be shipped. And you're probably about a hundred yards out from the camp, if you can generously call this a camp. So, crew of the Tyrese, you have arrived on Mining Camp 309-8675. Glancing up at the control tower, you can see a Midrian man, uh, bald, except for a couple of strips of hair coming around the, like, uh sides of his head and he is wearing a kind of jumpsuit that is uh, dirty and gray and he'll wave at you from the inside of the window a couple of stories up just like a small suggestion of a wave um, is that one daryl is that is that one daryl which one's daryl i mean i'm wearing a name tag <laughs> Given that there's so few people around here, uh, like, if they were wearing name tags, I feel like that'd be a bit ridiculous. But are they? He's about 30 feet up and behind a pane of glass and, like, waving down at you. Hmm. It's tough to say if he's wearing a name tag or not. I, I, I don't know. Oswald, that could be that could be Daryl. That could be Dave. It could be Doug. Well, why don't you take, since you are, since you, you know, you are the... Uh, house across a, a, you know, emissary, I figure you could go and introduce all of us to, to our new staff. Damien, it could be Damien, too. Could be Damien, too. What, what, um, Doesn't even know the employees' names. Good lord. <laughs> they're not my employees, right? They're, they're, they're my wife's employees, so maybe I should all talk right, to my all wife. All right, all right. You're being yeah, all yeah. You're being all humble, Amari. We get it. You're not the big boss. Exactly. We should, we should probably meet up with Layla, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna message her. <laughs> hey, we're here. Okay. Uh, Kala hey, and Vesnis have also accompanied you out of the Tiresian. Yes. Uh, messaging your wife, you quickly get a response. Uh, saying, head towards the large, wide building at the center of camp. Well, we know where to go, so I don't know if we're going to be staying inside or not, so maybe don't pack everything up just yet. But we have our rooms on our ships, so it seems seems silly. Yeah, we'll see what the uh, what the differences accommodation in accommodations are. Yeah, I don't imagine they're going to be all too great. Yeah. Amori, what do you think the food situation is like? Edible. What what do <laughs> Leon tend to eat? What are their favorite types of food? I, I never bothered to ask, and I... Well, I, I feel like I've let you down. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Do they ever look at you with judgment in their eyes and say, why? Oh, always, yes. Constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's That's the same thing happens it. when I eat small rodents. Mm-hmm. All, all of your frozen rats. <laughs> a bit I to totally forgot the right about until I, until I re re listened to the earlier episodes. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, <laughs> if you recall, exactly the right time. Otherwise, the judge is going to rise. If you recall, you also like eating live insects. So yes, yes, of course. Well, you know. that bit he remembered. Okay, that well, who could forget? Yeah, up until right now, it's mostly just been an availability issue. Yeah. Yes. 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 Judging by the state of this place, there might be plenty of rodents and insects for Oswald to gorge himself on. Excellent. I'll keep an eye out. I'll keep two out. As you move up the thoroughfare into camp, you can see it is really hard to tell what time of day it is here. There is sunlight, though you can't really see the sun. There is a kind of sickly yellow haze over the skyline because of the light that is refracted off of the gas giant that this moon is orbiting. As of right now, you can see the gas giant in the sky. It takes up a large chunk of the field of vision when you look up. So you presume this is about the equivalent of daytime, you'd guess, unless this moon is tidally locked. You actually don't know. Hmm. We don't know anything. That's true. But there is this kind of like haze in the air. You don't know if it's mind pollution or if it's just like that's what the air is here. But it is breathable. Gravity is maybe a little less than standard. You kind of have a little bit of extra hop in your step, but not moon jump. You just feel slightly lighter than you might otherwise. And... Yeah, heading in, the air here is pretty fresh. This is a world untainted by industry of any sort up until the camp that you see in front of you. So there is no reason to believe that the haze in the air would be the product of that at this point. You're going to have to fix that. Make some money. (laughs) That's the plan. (laughs) You do hear the sounds of insect life in the distance. There's just like the hum of bugs of some kind. And occasionally you will see a large winged creature up in the distance kind of uh, soaring and moving in a way that suggests they're more hovering than they are flying. What is that? Can I try and get a closer look? And by that I mean, I don't know. Stare. (laughs) Enhance image. (laughs) Yeah, they seem to be keeping their distance from the camp, so it's tough to say. Hey, Amari, you know what that is? No. Useless. (laughs) So happy I brought you. Really, so, so excited. Making your way into camp, you eventually find yourselves moving past a large shed-like building on the outskirts of the camp itself. You can see, just on passing by, it appears to be an equipment shed of some kind. It is a large building. You probably think they keep all of the dangerous mining equipment in here as opposed to in the rooms people sleep in. Hmm. Moving farther in, you can see that they, to your left, are what you think are probably bunkhouses, these large three-story container-like buildings that have been stacked on top of each other with the stairs welded to the outside. There appear to be six cargo like containers in total that are prefabricated buildings that have been stacked on top of each other. And you would presume based on the number of doors you see in and out that there are 12 rooms in total. Hmm. There are lights strung out between the buildings out here. That seems to be the source of illumination. If it 
should get dark here. They're not currently on, uh, but you can see that it is like basic little gemstones dangling from aethite cord that will let out a low, subtle glow when it becomes dark enough to do so. The building to your right is a larger squat building that appears to be some kind of command center, and you would assume most mines have like an excavation lab of some kind so they can do like test samples and make sure that what they're pulling out of the ground is safe for transportation. If this is a decently run operation, then they're going to be doing everything slowly and carefully and methodically. Turns out when you hit Aethite with a mining pick, there can be explosive results at times. Hmm. Not that anyone here is using a mining pick. Right. There is a low lob, 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 lob sound that's coming from the pump house as you enter the camp. And you can see that it is pumping water from somewhere. And what started as a creek is now a much larger rushing not quite a river, definitely more than a stream. Brook, let's call it a brook, that is moving south and away and kind of bends around the hillside that is to your right as you enter the camp. When you say, <clears throat> sorry, when you say it's now like a wider brook, does it look like it's been excavated or does it look like it just widens at one point? It just looks like they're pumping enough water into it that it has that clearly broadened the width of what started here. Okay. okay. And that's evidenced by like some dead trees that are kind of sticking up out of the banks of the, the stream and some like fallen dead wood that hasn't been bothered to be cleared. Dangerous. There is a low wall that surrounds the back third of the camp. So the hill is to the east of the camp, and then a wall is about a hundred yards away from the mine entrance and curves in kind of a quarter circle around the back of the camp. So on the map that I provided you, imagine that that wall kind of circles around and the top edge of the map and encloses the back half there. There is a small gate in the north where the kind of trodden path leads to, and you think whatever vehicles they're using to get around out in the world would pass through that gate. The bottom half of that, like, semicircular wall is just open down to the airfield. So, not a ton of security, but there is a bit of a defensive perimeter. Yeah. And yeah, as you enter this place, you see that there doesn't appear to be anyone around. Though, as you get closer to the larger squat command building, you can see that there are people inside that you can see through these like large bay windows that look south towards you and towards the mine entrance. And among them, you see Layla. Well, I know exactly where I'm going. Where's that? Indeed. I mean, I'm going to go over to our only point of contact here. Also my wife. I can't, I just, <laughs> oh, I just yes, keep wanting to say it. I just want to <laughs> say it, you know, the way. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming everyone is following Amari. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Colin Vesnus do as well, and you head towards that building. You see that this is another prefabricated job. You assume this building was literally dropped out of the sky by a spaceship at some point. Quick and easy. There is a large label over the door that looks like it is on a sliding track, so this sign could have been like slid into place above this door that says Sample Lab and Storage. 
You can see now once you're in here that the, all the buildings are also color coded. The living quarters are this like slate kind of stony gray. The sample lab and storage is this bright yellow. The pump house is green and the equipment shed is kind of like a gunmetal gray. Uh, Layla would turn and see you approach as your approach is pointed out by a tall, bulky looking lichen man with these big, like jowly, uh, drooping, uh, muzzle. He looks kind of like bulldogish. He's got this big paunchy belly on him and he's wearing a thick set of suspenders that is lined with pouches and little gadgets and gizmos and devices, uh, at all angles kind of dangling about his thick burly chest uh you can see that uh nearby layla is accompanied by two pride rakasa guards that you would probably recognize both of them amari as just like house staff i don't know how personable you would have been with these two guys but you definitely like their faces that you know yeah it's it's uh bob and doug mckenzie you know, those uh, classic Rakasa names. Sure. No. A reference to Strange Brew, a movie I'm sure everyone here has seen. <laughs> Do you want names for them? Uh, no, I they they are not essential. They don't get they don't they, get names. I'll ask their names. I mean, if I want to talk to them, sure, they could have names, but I have no intention to talk to them. Okay. Amari Kelrakasa does not talk, talk to, the to the help. Yeah. All right. Well, geez. I thought my family was fucked up. Surprised he talks to us anymore. <laughs> uh, as you enter, uh, Layla will go to you. Um, not in like an overly affectionate way, but definitely like a touch of the shoulder and a, a welcoming gesture towards you, observing all the niceties. So what do we miss? Not much. Uh, Prefect Amari, this is Operations Chief Scowl, and the Lycan man will let it and say, it's pronounced Scowl. Right, sorry, sorry. And you can see his name tag says Scowl. And Layla will turn to you and say, We were just discussing long-term plans for this place. Those being? Mostly what we can do, at least in the meantime, with our personal cargo. Mm. And the chief will say, I mean, we can keep them in the equipment locker for as long as you want, but that's a kind of a short-term solution, if you ask me. We're not exactly built to have a jail cell in there. And Layla will turn to you and say, they're keeping him in the equipment locker in the mine at the moment. Mm, I, I got that. Okay. Um, is there a reason uh, why like he's in the equipment locker? Stuff? And the chief will say, no, 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 it's just, well, we're used to keep the the guy's gloves and hats in there. Okay. Uh, does he have a place to sleep? The like ground? The ground, okay. And Layla will kind of, like, close her eyes as she's facing you and, like, take a deep breath and say, Yes, we were just discussing that it is not exactly an accommodation of any sort. 
And the yeah, chief was explaining to me that none of his employees, my employees, are willing to double up in their bunks at the moment. I, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. We could potentially, I mean, I'm sure we could find something on the ship. I mean, Reed has a solution, but I'm not, I'm not going to offer that at the moment. We kill him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just, we saved him so I could murder you myself. Yeah. Uh, I Actually, you know what? I want Oswald to do it. Just, just because, well, mostly because Liston was sitting there pantomiming, you know, a, a, a quality <laughs> neck snap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to get him a, like a little ladder so he'd be tall enough to do it. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think happen. my arms are long enough for that. I don't know. Tell, how, tell the miners how, that. What's the circumference of the head? <laughs> tell that the is... miners that. Tell the miners that if they don't want to double up their bunks, then they can all draw straws, and the one who loses dies. So they can do one or the other. Jesus Christ. Our moon based our so, rules. I was just about to say, I'm so glad that this tiny, <laughs> tiny amount of power has immediately gone to everyone's heads. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I know. I actually don't know if we have an extra room on the ship anymore. Like, I think I took the last one and turned it into a lead-lined fucking we, so that, nuclear that bunker. What I was going to say is we could potentially put him in the isolation chamber because that way he would not have access to any of, like, the ship uh, stuff at all. That's true. Just, like, throw a mattress mm-hmm. down in there. I mean, that'll get them out of out of the way of the miners. And I don't have to worry about it. Also, so he is not sleeping in a mine. Yeah. Layla will say, we have more prefabricated buildings in route, but they will be here within the turn span. Mm. Operations here are going to be expanding rather rapidly, as I was explaining to the chief here, now that this facility is under the purview of House Rikasa. And the chief will kind of like raise his pawed hands, say, look, Lady and uh, the every dude, <laughs> I'm just like the scowl on Amari's face at that. The two pride guards will definitely like glance at you, Amari, to see if you do anything. Yeah, as your wife uh, is also sort of taken aback by that statement, as the chief kind of like rolls through, unless you speak up. No, no, no. Uh, sorry. Uh, Chief, do you want to do you want to try that again? I realize we haven't been here for a while, and you know might not be used to addressing people with their proper titles. But uh, give you the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm sorry, and you are. Florian is rolling his eyes behind Mari's back. It's fine. Go ahead, roll your <laughs> eyes. You have more power than this individual. I'm just waiting for him to get shot. No, because then we have to hire somebody else. That's going to take time. What the fuck? Who am I? Actually, it's kind of nice that you don't know who I am. Uh, That's (laughs) fine. It's not me who you should be worried about. It's the lady. My apologies. Like, raise his paws and kind of step, take a step back. Matriarch, is it? And Layla will kind of turn a steely gaze towards him and say, 
As of last turn span, you will refer to me as Geminus. And the chief's eyes will kind of like bug out a little bit in the way that bulldogs sometimes do. And he'll say, okay, Geminus, Geminus, apologies. We're a small operation here. I didn't think we were ever going to get any larger than we are now. So I apologize. This is all very new to me. And it, quite frankly, is going to be a bit of a culture shock for some of the some of the lads here. We're an out-of-the-way operation. We're used to doing things the way we do them. And Layla will say, Well, that is about to change. She will turn towards you, Amari, and say, I have taken a brief accounting of this place, but I don't exactly know what I'm looking for. There's a wall. That's good, right? Mm. I mean... A wall's only going to do so much, given that, for the most part, everyone has the ability to just scale that, no problem. And the chief will say, mostly it was to keep out some of the leapers. We call them leapers because of the leaping, but they don't leap very high. They're little bug reptile things. Uh, Four legs, two in the back are real big, and they do a little hop to get around. Excellent. Not how big are these? And he'll, like, put two fists together and say, about that size. And what do they taste like? Honestly, there's not really enough meat on them to make good eating. Mostly uh, carapace and stringy bits in the middle. You're welcome to them if you want. Honestly, we've put them in stew a couple of times, and they're all right if you can tender them up some. Sure. Stew. But look, like I was saying, we're used to doing things slow and steady. We do the job, we get paid. This is all happening really quickly. And now you got a prisoner here that we need to account for. It's suddenly become a whole thing. And Layla will say, yes, and it is Pride Rikasa's thing. So if you will please defer to me and the prime mate, Amari Kel Rikasa, you would do best to remember where your pay is coming from. And I don't know if you've necessarily seen your wife play the hard ass before, Amari. That's fine. Amari's totally cool with it. This seems to be yet another of the skills she has picked up in the last year or so. But she will turn back to you, Amari, and say, if you wouldn't mind doing a sweep of this place, see what you can tell me, at least in terms of what we're dealing with here. I I don't know for mining or any of this. I mean, obviously, you might not either, but I don't know. You've, you saw I mean, a lot. I'm sure there's defenses we could shore up in general. Sure. At least figure out where best to keep uh, our cargo. Give me a couple hours. I'll figure some things out. And uh, the chief was going to take us on a tour of the mine later. I don't know if any of you are interested in that. Mm, yes. Yes. Vesnus will not as well. Kala will shake her head. Sounds like nobody else is interested in going on a tour of the mine. I mean, no, I will go on Vesnus a tour. And I. Excellent. Oh, I'll, right. I'll go. Uh, Over here we have rocks. I think Shay might actually start like on actually stripping and taking apart the the golden comet. Hmm. Okay. 
uh, Kahlo would be grateful to help with that. Okay. Uh, the chief will say, most of the lads are down in the mine right now, so you won't see them for a few more hours. Shift doesn't end till it gets dark. So, after that, we can have the run of the place. So, sunset, meet back here. If you don't mind, Geminus, I need to get back to operations. And he will wait until Layla dismisses him, at which point he will leave. And anyone who's watching him as he goes will see, like, the biggest eye roll you've ever seen as he tromps away. Hell yeah. Careful, you do that too often. Your eyes are going to get stuck. It's like a real dad. And as he leaves, Layla will let out a long sigh as well. Well, Geminus, um, anything we should be taking care of before we go on our tour? I've got a few things. I am a Geminus of 12, Amari. You don't need to talk to me like you're an uppity mine chief. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll stay in my lane. I'll check my station. Thank you. <sighs> you know what I mean? I do. Right now, this place is empty. We have the run of it. There are 12 employees, including the chief here. I'm told it's a mixed bag. They're mostly hegemony members, but there are a few from outside. Workers from all over the place. Mostly they're... I don't want to call them outcasts, but it's a lot of leftovers, Amari. That's fine. There's at least one ogre here who's a contract breaker. What does that mean? So, for the most part, ogres have what's called a contract, capital C. It is their resume, their a list of their lives' work, their education. Basically, it's like a, a living permanent record, that thing they threaten you with in school all the time. When an ogre seeks work off of their homeworld, they do so by the graces of the House of Contracts, what passes for a government on their world. An ogre's contract is a deed to their loyalty and their service. Ogres do not break their contracts. Ogre mercenaries in every job field that you can think of, soldier, teachers, cooks, always are held by contract if they're serving a non-gobwarish person. For an ogre to break a contract is tantamount to sacrilege among their people. There are plenty of ogres out there who just, like, live outside of that system and have never been under contract. But to have been a contracted ogre and then to have broken a contract for some reason is a big deal. Uh, what typically happens if, like, they break contract? They're, like... They're blacklisted. to deal with... Oh, okay. Yeah, they just... They, it's much harder for them to find work. There are people who will expressly hire non-contracted ogres for illicit reasons sometimes. That's definitely a reputation that they've garnered. But it's not as though, like, never assume that a, an ogre that has broken their contract is immediately a criminal. But that is definitely the reputation that the House of Contracts would spread around. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, mm. like, it's their business. Yeah. Like okay. if you if you go to a bar where you know the bartender or the owner has lost their liquor license at some point, is the service going to be reduced? Maybe, maybe not, but they have 
got that black mark on their record for some reason. Yeah. Okay. And so when Layla says that, she's maybe implying like the the status of these people a little bit. If if she's comparing them to that and lumping that sort of person in with the rest of them. Her implication is that these are people that society maybe at large wouldn't be happy with them around. So they go disappear into a small mining operation in the middle of the Eastern reach. Mm -hmm. Is it classist of her to say all this? Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, in that case, work with what we've got. I'm sure everyone will be just fine. We get some new buildings out here. It's still a sense of worth. I mean, we're going to fix this place up nice. We're going to get some more people out here. It'll be... It's going to be great. Honestly, the buildings will be here before the people. Yeah. I've already got some of my clerks working on spreading the word, but hiring miners wholesale is not as easy as posting on the metanet and saying, Hey, are you good at mining? Why not come out to the middle of nowhere? What benefits do we offer? Right now, none. But we're a growth industry. Get in on the ground floor. <laughs> Actually, you'll be below the ground floor. Like, yeah. Significantly below. Yeah. Lots of fresh air. All that good stuff. Some um, of the time. Yeah. We pay you in fresh air. <laughs> I mean, like, what... Uh, sort of growth is Layla looking for here on this just like full-blown cityscape like growth or like eventual are we just this much as she can in a short period of time as of right now there are a grand total of 22 people on this planet growth from this point is inevitable invite your neighbors over and suddenly you've doubled the population of the world. What the end goal is here. It's all too new. It's too fresh. Layla doesn't have a good answer for that. She just knows that suddenly she's responsible for people. Whereas before she was living this kind of like noble existence of just being minor nobility with not a lot of responsibilities, married a war hero that she fell in love with, had a couple of kids. She was minor nobility, and now she's minor nobility. (laughs) Ah. I can dig it. Not only that, but she's declared herself an enemy of the Khanis Empire and uh, pissed off the Freehold Coalition to boot. So she is running before she can walk right now. Love a good, strong upstart. I'm sure it won't come back to bite us in the ass at any point. So right now she's just trying to figure out what has she got right now? And it's this mine and the Imperial prisoner that is currently being kept in it. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's a good start. It's a good hand. And she will ask you, I just need to know if there's potential here that I'm not seeing because I don't know what to look for. I could use some extra set of eyes. Well, I don't want to volunteer anyone else here, but uh, you got mine. Oswald's got some pretty keen eyes. Finds things that uh, I don't think anyone else would ever find. He looks over and there's like uh, insect legs sticking out of his mouth. Mm. 
We're like in we're like in a building. Where'd you get that? Where did you, how did you <laughs> even get it? I don't know if we're insects inside come inside buildings. Mm-hmm. How big is it? Is it one of those leapers? Uh, like large fist size, yes. like grasshopper legs sticking out, still twitching. Seems about the right, the right size. Um, yeah, uh, Florian, uh, you've got some experience living out on the edge of the galaxy. Do you have anything you'd want to add? Depends on what's going on in this place. Seems like mining. We could probably talk to all 12 people. Yeah. I certainly do intend on doing that. No, you don't. Why must you lie? What? No, no. I'm being totally genuine. Like, you're going to. Okay. I am absolutely going to talk to every single person on this planet. That's just how Florian talks, Amari. Mm hmm. Well, it doesn't help that Olivia is trying not to spy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm reading Olivia, but I'm, I forget I'm talking to Florian. Layla will say, honestly, if you want to talk to every person on the planet, now's your chance. This is probably going to be the best chance you're going to get to literally talk to everyone on a planet. And she will say that this planet really hasn't had a proper survey done. So, like, that's something that she needs to get people to do. She's not asking you all to do it because that takes months and months and months of scientific work. So, like, exactly what resources this planet has to offer, she doesn't know yet. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. I mean, they they must have done some level of preliminary scanning. Otherwise, they wouldn't have just plopped a mine down right here. Yeah. So. They, they know that there is a hefty load of athite in this location. That is why this team is even here to begin with. They know that the air was breathable, the gravity was fine, and the local fauna isn't immediately deadly. Apparently there is um, another I, world in this system uh, that is also equally as habitable, but there is megafauna on that planet, and so there are no colonists there. Megafauna, you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Extremely deadly. <laughs> now we're speaking. And and uh, Pride Rikasa has rights to that planet as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they Are have this, any... this whole system. Whole system. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So the so the closest uh, like hab- habitated planet is outside of the system. No, 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 no. Uh, the other habitable worlds all orbit this gas giant. Oh, but there are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Layla would let you know. There are two that have colonies, but there are ten moons in total to this gas giant. And, like, seven of those planets are habitable. And they're all, but they're all colonies. There's not, like, nobody's from here. This system was found less than 50 years ago by uh, pioneers and prospectors. Space is huge, y'all. There are so many star systems that have not even been found yet, even in the Dragon's Wake, after... Nearly 7,000 years of space exploration. Space Who, is uh, whose colonies are those? Uh, uh, are they all Pride as, Rikasa? Are they all as of Rikasa last week, they belong to Pride Rikasa under the auspices of the Rosset hegemony. Great. The mineral lights, rights and like land leases and the ability to develop this system however she pleases was given to Layla the moment she declared herself an enemy of the Empire and gained a bunch of reputation among the hegemony. Hmm. Trying to think like what would benefit us in the short term. 
uh, the most setting up like defenses. I, I, I know we're on in a system that's out of the way and us being here uh, theoretically shouldn't have anyone tracking us or anything like that, but setting up some sort of defenses should that happen seems pretty important to me. Um, we were literally attacked at the last planet we were at. Yeah, so, so you know. Um, that was also a heavily populated uh, world with lots of witnesses, so this, yeah. not that. Yeah. Think of what they could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if red dogs showed up here, who knows? I would probably just surrender. No, that's not true. That was them holding back, okay? That was them being reserved. <laughs> they didn't use the big gun, I think. I'll be their ship. Fucking crash it right out of the sky. Is that a com a, a typical combat tactic? Just I become the other the enemy ship, and I just fly into the into the dirt. It's not unheard of. I okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's the preferred method they teach you at Western Isald, but. Uh, pretty good the tactic if they're what they got. Pretty good tactic <laughs> if they're not expecting it. <laughs> you have to effectively overcome an enemy wizard to do it. So you're yeah. having a psychic wizard duel to take over the enemy's ship. And if they don't have one, okay. not everyone is as lucky as you guys are. So this is true. So before nightfall, whenever that is. Y'all have some time on your hands to do whatever you like. It sounds like, Amari, you want to do a quick jog around the camp, see if there's ways to tighten up the defenses? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you know that your wife would have traveled with a small company of attendants and soldiers. Uh, the two guards that you saw are definitely not the only ones. There would be five in total so that they could rotate through shifts to keep Layla guarded. Uh, there would also be some attendants and clerks that would travel with her to take care of pride business and, like, relay messages and stuff. So you have access to some troops if you want them, is, I guess, okay. what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I would I would just set up a, 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 a watch, um, a rotating watch to make sure everyone's getting sleep and at least have um, one person attending to Layla. Well, maybe not necessarily attending, but being there to assist her and keep an, like, guard to a certain extent. Okay. Where do you want to post a watch? Do you want them patrolling around or posted up somewhere? Um, if we could do, uh, like, are, are is there an entrance and a, uh, and a separate exit to this colony space? There is a gate leading north, and then the space to the south is just broad and open, penned in by the low wall and the hillside. Okay. Um, yeah, in that case, uh, two people at the, the gate, um, one person on patrol. When that person gets back, takes the spot of one of the people at the gate, the next person goes around, does a patrol, uh, and then rotates, you know, watch hours wise with a person who's off duty okay yeah. yeah you can set it up so they're pretty thoroughly rotating through the full course of the day and you have a regular like on off schedule for them all mm -hmm. 
yeah, those orders can be disseminated pretty quickly. Um, so you have one soldier just patrolling the camp, a couple others watching the gate to the north, one constantly with Layla, and the remaining one being off-duty and presumably sleeping. And they rotate through those positions every few hours. Uh, what is everybody else doing in that time? Shay, you'd said you were working on dismantling the Golden Comet? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Oswald will be taking uh, samples and pictures and just trying to get a sense of soil composition, life, and any flora, fauna, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, basic information. Give me a planetology roll. I do have that skill. I know you do. This is like the second time I've used it. Um, it's going to be... This is what you do when you go and do planetology stuff. Yeah. Okay. This is definitely going to be one of those higher you roll, the better you'll do kind of situations. But I'd say the baseline here is going to be challenging. So 15. 15. Okay. Um... Man, going from D&D &D back to Aether is always an interesting transition. Um, okay. Fifteen. Ooh, yes. That is gonna be... Eighteen! Alright. You get a sense that the world here is pretty standard where these things are concerned. The flora seems fairly unremarkable. The basic fauna you can see uh, seems to have developed along like an insect or bug-like trajectory. There seems to be a commonality of four limbs for everything, regardless of how it moves around. Those flying creatures you saw are like large four-legged dragonfly-looking things. Cool. The leapers are really, really common. They're like four-legged lizard bug things that are like jumpy iguanas. With big hind legs. A lot of the soil around here seems to have a, not a contamination, but it definitely seems like fallow within the immediate vicinity of the camp. Something is killing the plant life around here. You're not sure if it's just a byproduct of the, the mine and what they're doing down there. But there's definitely some dead trees nearby, and there are a few still standing near the entrance to the mine. Hmm. How far out from the camp does the plant life start to um, be flourishing again? It's scattered. It's not. There is no line in the sand, really. It's just here and there you'll see a, a dead tree in the, in the woods outside. Okay. And the woods aren't especially thick or primeval. They're seemingly like pretty sparse. You can see through the trees, and every once in a while they'll just be like, oh, there's a dead tree, and there's a dead tree. And sometimes they've fallen over and given way to new growth. Mm -hmm. But it seems in this general area, the soil isn't as fruitful as it might otherwise be. Hmm. Interesting. The... Is that common uh, Is that common with, with aethite mines? Uh, Aethium mines? Uh, you're not mining Aethium on a world, you are mining aethite. Uh, Atheum okay, is almost like exclusively mined in outer space on asteroids and stuff. Right. Inside of a world with an atmosphere, it almost always crystallizes into aethite. Okay. Finding Atheum on a planet is like finding plutonium. <laughs> you don't want to be there. It's not recommended. 
Yeah. It it doesn't not happen. If if enough aether leaches into the soil, some of the flora can experience aether poisoning. So if anything, that is actually a sign that the aethite veins beneath this area are especially rich. Great. And yeah, that's what an 18 gets you. Great. Um, I'm assuming that there is some sort of, if it's not a whole like administrative uh, pod, then like some sort of server that all the, like the admin stuff is centralized on. That seems to be the building you initially went into. It is a combination of lab and storage and main office. All the paperwork seems to be stored here and dealt with here. This is a combination of, is nobody sleeping here? Okay, we do everything else here. It's also like a mess, it looks like. There's a big long table that is used for everything. Okay. Um, if I am allowed access to like an, an, an administrative server... Um, can I take a look at the, like, the, like, permits that House Rikasa has to, like, own this planet, the equipment that is being used, and the contracts of the people who work here? Sure. Uh, no one is here to stop you from accessing okay. those systems, I'll say that much. Whether or not you have explicit permission to <laughs> get into them? You know, you know what's funny? On the lots of mining planets... Yeah, nobody, just nobody stops you. It's weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, give me an advanced tech roll. Let's see how you do in terms of, like, digging up this pertinent information. Okay, 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 okay. I'll say your your baseline is definitely going to be hard, because, like, you're looking for a lot of specific details. You're not familiar with this system. Um, I am going to be thorough, though, so I'm going to use my carefully die and i'm gonna throw some aether on here too sounds good mm -hmm. this is the start of my little journey so i'll throw three on here you said hard that's 20 right correct yes yeah oh let's see 10 20 that's a 30 even 30 even. Okay, that is a critical victory. So. The danger gauge goes down. Take 13 now. Plan it out. <laughs> no, but I am going to spend a void dice and roll it, and the danger gauge will go up. Okay. For reasons that will become clear momentarily. That's fine. <laughs> As you are browsing this computer, you do find a lot of this information. The Pride Rakasa was basically given the administrative control of this. This was already a, a hegemony world. It was claimed by uh, hegemony prospectors and mineral rights like claimants decades ago. And nobody did anything with it until the people here picked up a, basically went through a long list of contracts that the hegemony had available and said, we want to go work here for whatever reason. You don't know exactly why uh, Operations Chief Scowell uh, decided to set up shop here, but he's the one whose name is on top of all of these contracts. 
They are paid based on their yield of the mine here. So they are paid basically straight cash for whatever they manage to pull out of the ground at market value, whatever that is. Uh, the equipment that they're using here is leased. They don't own any of the equipment here. They have leased it from a large corporation that is run out of vast plain. It appears to be a mining consortium of some kind. The employees here have very minimal records. A lot of it revolves around they are just listed as employee of operations chief Scowell. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's really all you find. This place is barely a blip. Uh, you can see that their yields are, you don't even know what these numbers necessarily, if they're averages or like, I don't think Florian really know enough about mining to know that like, is this place a profitable place? There is like mining worlds around mine. We did talk about the corporations yeah. that I, yeah. Um, yeah, in that case, and plus you got a critical, you would see that this place actually turns a pretty decent profit. They've only been at this for three years at this point. So this place wasn't set up until after the the shattering, after the war ended. And there's maybe a reason that a small out-of-the-way mining operation can even exist now that conflicts between the Dominion and the Empire aren't really a thing anymore. And you would, everyone would know that there has been a boom in industry in the Eastern and Southern Reach since the end of the war, because now that there isn't this ongoing conflict or tension between these two huge superpowers, people are just like, I guess it's safe to go about our business now. It makes sense to invest in a place that's like probably not going to be in the way of a giant battle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what you learn about this place. Okay. Well, the first thing I'm doing is fixing these contracts. That's for dang sure. I'm going to, if I can download this info to my, my data pad, I'd love to do that. Sure. Yeah. Nobody is there to stop you. Like I said, anything else you want to do before the evening? Uh, nope. Okay. Well, um, you quickly figure out that the day night cycle here kind of revolves around the planet. Uh, slowly turning away from the gas giant. So the night here is when this side of the planet is facing away from the gas giant. The sky still has like a weird yellowy tinge. And once you get into night, it becomes this like black yellow, almost like a dark gold with little pinpricks of starlight appearing in it. At a certain point, as you're all either back on the ship or um, moving about camp, you would hear this loud whistling sound coming from the mine. And then the lub, lub, lub of the pump house will slow down and eventually stop. And eventually you see a dozen ragged individuals come trooping up out of the mine. There is half a dozen Leans. Uh, the one like in the already know, a few Midrians, an ogre, an Akasi, and a Taro. And as they come out, they would all give uh, strange glances at the strangers in their midst, i.e. all of you, though they seem to have been at least partially expecting you all uh, as they were told about your presence. Don't worry, we're cool. 
Um, it should be noted that the Akasi among them appears to be an Earth Akasi. So they're this huge kind of like bulky troll-like creature that like walks forward on its knuckles like a gorilla. And it seems to be made of large boulders that are ambulating about on their own with like big patches of moss growing on its shoulder. Like the rock monster in uh, Galaxy Quest? Or the rock monster in NeverEnding Story. Choose your rock monster. Or the ogre in Quest for Camelot. Who's next? So many rock monsters. <laughs> rock monster? Rock the trolls from Discworld. The list goes on. Yeah. Too many. <laughs> and yeah. So I don't know if you are trying to immediately leap down these people's throats as they get off of their shift. Who? Does any of them? Not really sure what I'm trying to ask here. Is there one of them that like? Who seems the most like charismatic? Like who who is like the de facto, not leader, but like maybe social head of these these folks? Like, is there anybody that like? I don't know. I'm not really sure how to ask this question. There is definitely a lot of people defaulting to the chief's opinion about things. Scowl seems to be mm, okay. kind of leading the pack, as it were. Uh, though there is definitely some jovial conversation happening between one of the Midrians and the Taro and a couple of the Leans. Okay. Uh, you can see that the Look. Midrian who is ap uh, appearing from the mine uh, appears to be a stetter based on his size and the black eyes. Yeah. He is like a seven foot tall motherfucker who is a nearly as tall as the ogre in their midst. Right. Big boy. Though the Look ogre is even then a head taller than that guy. Yeah. And yeah, they all come trooping out. They will start moving towards the big squat building that is the combination mess and lab and office and storage and everything. They look to be going for their evening meal. Uh, Layla is with you, Amari, as you're kind of walking in the evening air towards the mine. As uh, Chief Skull will say, I'm going to just get some food in me and then we can go on our little tour, yeah? I could chow. Scope out how the grub is on this planet. Moon planet. It's pretty good, actually. Plus the body. <laughs> Oswald's got no, 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 not grubs. The grub. <laughs> yeah. The chow. Yes, I you guess. said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, you will see that uh, two other Midrians have prepared the meal for the evening. Uh, based on their voices, you can tell pretty quick that this is Dave and Daryl. And oh. yes, they are apparently n not miners based on the fact that they were in the tower on your approach and they are cooking the meal. What could have possibly given it away? <laughs> <laughs> they don't let us handle the heavy equipment no more on account of us, you know. Hey, Daryl, why do they not around. let us use the heavy equipment anymore? Oh, hell if I know. <laughs> It's prejudice, plain and simple. There used to be 13 on this planet. But, <laughs> well, you know. That's why we only got one Dave now. Where's the sign that says how many days there's been since an accident? Uh, they don't call them accidents here. They call them Daryl's. <laughs> Brutal. But yeah, they have is prepared. There an in 
Is there an intergalactic OSHA that these Daryls are reported to? No. Or do they? Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. There is no inter- intracorporate oversight. Seems right. good. Seems good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the second so thing there, on my list. So there <laughs> is, there's no OSHA that this gets reported to, or there's no OSHA? Each independent government would be responsible for corporation oversight within their sphere of influence. And since most of their corporations are owned by their political leaders, that just, yeah, I love this universe. It's good (laughs) and cool. While you may love this universe, this universe does not love you or anyone in it. Certain governments are a little more thorough about that sort of thing than others. I'll leave it at that. It depends on wh- where in the galaxy you are, yeah. The Connus Empire? Surprisingly litigious where it comes to workplace safety. That was part of the reason they rebelled against the Dominion. <laughs> oh, were the were the human sacrifices not not considered proper <laughs> workplace safety? <laughs> they considered it an infringement upon their religious beliefs, in fact. <laughs> mm. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, as far as you can tell, this place is up to a decently high standard. It's not like they're working these guys to death in this place or anything. Everyone who's coming out of the mine doesn't seem to be like the broken thousand yard stare. These are guys who set up a mine on their own in the middle of nowhere and are doing it to make some coin. They work hard. They get paid. They party harder. I would love to see how hard they party. (laughs) Uh, during the meal, they're, it's not raucous or anything, but it's definitely, like, jovial-ish. And there's definitely some, like, carousing with the new arrivals that uh, occurs. The large stetter man you would name, uh, find out is named Horn. 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 A traditional stetter name. Uh, he's a tall, jovial, uh, bellicose individual... Uh, who is happy to see some new faces. The uh, Akasi among their number would also be incredibly friendly to you all. Uh, You would find out that uh, their name is Seems Unto the Deep Earth. Uh, You would find out, yeah, the two Midrians are Dave, Daryl, and the ogre's name is Other Daryl. And it is, you are told in no uncertain terms that you should maybe not try to have a conversation with Other Daryl. He is not very friendly. Ah. Is, um, does Seems Into the Deep Earth go by their full name or do they have a, like a shortened version like Helm does? Uh, they will always refer to themselves as Seems Unto the Deep Earth, but everyone around them seems to just call them Seems. Okay. And Seems Unto the Deep Earth also speaks in the third person, which is a unique twist, but Akasi all have like strange little quirks like that. Mm. And yeah, gotcha. uh, m- most of the, the Leon accompaniment here is friendly enough. Um, more than a few of them recognize Amari and that starts getting around really quick. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, Does um, Amari, do you and Layla like eat with the crew? I guess that's a question for Reed and Mike. <laughs> I mean, it, if, if she doesn't want to, I would suggest that we do if 
really want to instill confidence in what we're about to do here, then you should probably have uh, a meal with them. Okay, give me an influence roll. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Amari's going to be the sort of like, this isn't a business. This is a family sort of. <laughs> Let's see here. So I've got several things in influence. I have war hero at a D8, and then I've got my wife, my wife, <laughs> at a D10. I mean, you are trying to influence your wife, so I would assume that applies here. Mm. So, okay. Maybe not its an original intended purpose, but definitely seems to track. Yeah, it works. I, yeah. And yeah. I mean, like... If you kind of abstract it a little, you are using your authority as like her partner and her, therefore her authority to be mm -hmm. convincing about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gonna say, oh man, what would this be? I, I, I don't think it's. Is it cleverly? Is this clever? I don't know if it's clever. I, I think that is up to you in terms of how you want the tone of this conversation to be. I'll I'll say it's clever. I think she'll okay. uh, uh, she will up it, that will appeal to her more. Okay. Um, uh, so that's going to be a D eight and a D ten. This is challenging. It's definitely something she's resisting. So I'll say this is fifteen. Okay. Well, that uh, that sucked for a grand total of three. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to take that failure? Or you want to spend some? No. No, I'm gonna spend some void dice because fucking. Oh, he is. Oh, why? Why? It's still not enough. <laughs> it's a nine plus three. It's twelve. Yeah. <sighs> gonna take the failure. Are you gonna danger gauge is now at three. Yeah. If I take the failure, it uh goes automatically up. Correct. No, it only goes up when you spend void dice. If you take the failure yeah. now, you'll get three XP, but uh, you will fail, and the consequences of that will follow. Yeah, I'm going to take the failure on this. Okay, so you get three XP. Layla Yeehaw. doesn't want to step on anyone's toes. She is the outsider here. She doesn't want to impose domination on these people, and so she is very stalwartly saying, no, we shouldn't. They're used to a certain way here. Let's not try to force them into something they're not used to all at once. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fine. I just, uh, maybe it, it might be a good idea to, you know, sure. Sure. Eventually. See eventually. People. Okay. I'm also a Gemini's now, Amari. I'm not normal people anymore. Right. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna, I guess I'm, I, I'm still trying to get used to that too. It's not a bad thing. It's just here. We can go dying. back to my ship. We'll grab some food, and we'll meet them back at the mine for the tour. Okay. And you do. I don't know if there's any particular courses of conversation. Any of you who attend the meal here want to try to get any sort of information out of the miners, but if not, you have a fairly cordial uh, meal with these mining bumpkins. I mean, they are rural folk. They're definitely Florian's folk. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, there's no particular conversation. I am just having a good time. <laughs> mm -hmm. If anything, Florian is doing more to 
ingratiate your group to these people because they are all from similar backgrounds to Florian in terms of none of these people are from vast plane or any kind of center of galactic political moving and shaking. These are people from backwaters who have found this life agreeable to them. And they like the fact that they spend eight hours a day underground digging up rocks. That takes a certain mindset. And, just like rocks. Yeah. And I think uh, like what helps too is that Florian can like I can't I probably can't get into like deep theory or talk about the way a machine works, but I can like talk about mining a little bit and just like you know I yeah, will do absolutely. that. That's what I mean. Uh, you would even discover that the Stetterman Horn has been to Akalar. Oh, what? Oh my gosh. This dude's my new best friend. It was a it was a brief stay. He only went there for like a brief contracting job when he was shipping some of the wood being mined there. But uh it was like he will say, Oh wow, Akalar, yes, I have been weird place. Uh, I'm immediately going to start, like, asking him if he knows people and just, like, finding our mutuals and, like, oh, man. I'm just just kidding. The rest of this meal is me talking Horn's ear off about Akalar. He talked to, he very briefly talked to the person who runs the landing pad on Jaretta, and that's it. Cool. Yeah, and that is something you would know about uh, Akalar and Shiretta specifically. The wood there isn't harvested. It is mined. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, after the meal, who's all going on the mine tour? It was Amari, Layla, Oswald, Florian. Uh, Vesnas volunteered as well. Uh, Shay, you do not want to go underground into the mine at night? No, I've seen my bloody Valentine like a few too many times for that. That's totally fair. So you stay back on the ship and continue into the night helping with uh, with Kala's help dismantling the the golden comet. You you starting with like the internal systems like you don't start by taking the hood off of a car. You start by removing the stereo. Yeah. And. There's nothing new in this ship to find, so you're now you're just junking it at this point, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, like, it's taking up a lot of room. It is. And, like, we sort of can't have people over yeah. because we have a stolen car in our sh- garage. <laughs> Does so. not help, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Mara would definitely be keeping the two of you company as well. Yay! Okay, because I was—I've also been a little worried about her. So uh, she is fascinated by this world because it's so quiet. Oh right, yeah. She has never been to a world that is so disconnected from the rest of the galaxy, and she yeah. finds it very interesting. The rest of you meet up with the operations chief on the little bridge that leads into the mine proper that crosses the river that leads out of the pump house. The strung-up lights have now come on once you've turned this place into night, and you can see that all of the lights that are, like, connected to the wire strung between the buildings are actually little, like, rough-cut gemstones that are just kind of, like, wound with wire 
So it'd be like if you just attached a, a filament of a light bulb to a wire and like strung it between a house. They clearly have like cut their own lights in this place to give it more of a rustic, homey feel. Good for them. Ingenuity. Also, it's like those those like Etsy style, like the the string lights that you use outdoors that like have the warm light filament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh, it's like an old fashioned light bulb. It's like that's an LED. It's just colored weird. <laughs> you know those like salt salt crystal lamps that you can get it's like a thousand oh, yeah. tiny little yeah, ones one. of those strung up nice wow cool. aesthetic this this moon is a vibe at night it is a vibe the tour into the mine starts at the beginning like most of these things do mm-hmm. you are shown past the equipment locker which is a small carved out room that is just on the inside of the mine. It is a like mesh wire door. And inside you can see there are a bunch of like coat hooks and hooks for equipment that have been emptied at this point. And now as there is a single solitary figure sitting on the rough earth inside this little earthen closet. And some of the weird looks you got from the miners are definitely explained by this. Yeah, we gotta fix this. <laughs> hey, bud. Hey, friend. Oof. Not what we meant. Prontus Machius will glance up as you all troop past. And he will make eye contact with you, Amari. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you on, on the way back. Just hang tight. This is not what we this is not what we planned on. This is, yeah, this is bad. I don't like this. <laughs> He will glance between you and over to Florian and then say, I'm good right here. Florian's not making eye contact. He's power walking past. (laughs) When the screaming starts, don't come for me. He does not like you. The fuck does that mean? (laughs) Weird horror movie bullshit. Florian, I did show you the... Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, and I've stopped doing the thing. Whatever, it's fine. Whatever. As you begin moving down into this place, you're, none of you are wizards. So when you start feeling the ambient aether in the air, you know how powerfully it is charged down here. And before you even see any veins of crystal, you can just feel it on your skin as goose flesh erupts up and down your arms. If you have any hair, it stands on end at the back of your neck or along napes or shoulder blades or wherever it is your species has stare, hair stand on end. Feathers will kind I'm of like exclusively bloom hair. out a little bit. Yeah, but kitties do the like rough of neck thing that like Right. Now it's like the whole body, though, so I'm very poofy. (laughs) It's definitely like your tail gets some poof if you're not used to it down here. Mm. You can see that lights are strung up down here as well, though these are not the, like, rustic homemade sort that you saw out in the camp. These are more diligently placed, carefully located lamps that provide a specific radius of light that are placed evenly down this tunnel. Uh, 
the chief is kind of prattling on as you're moving, giving you the rundown on this place. Apparently it goes, uh, at this point, they've got a large seam that they've been pulling from for about six months now that seems to have no end in sight. Uh, their first explorations down here resulted in a few minor seams that they emptied out, but this current one that they're on, has they've been at for months, and they don't seem to have found an end to it yet. Um, exactly how far it goes, they would need better equipment to precisely figure that out. Sounding equipment that they don't possess. Um, he's... Are they... Does it look like there's pulling singularly from this seam like until it's empty or are they moving on past it as well uh right now they're just trying to like see how wide and how far this particular seam goes they're not trying to empty it by any means but uh he'll show okay. you what he means when they get there uh because you pass a couple of corridors that lead to the left and to the right and those he says goes off to some of the seams they've started with over the years but the one they found is uh a lot deeper and eventually you get to a large chamber that appears to be half mine, half cavern. They seem to have broken into some large naturally occurring rift in the earth here. And looking below, you can see that there is a large lift that has been set up on the precipice leading down into a deeper rift. It's still pretty well lit in here, but it is the gloom of... You are underground thoroughly at this point. You've probably moved a few hundred feet into the earth. Always at a downward slant. What is the uh, furthest down you've gone? Well, that's the thing. We're still plumbing the depths of this place. There are safe ledges uh, as we go down. We'll, I'll show you uh, when we get down there. But uh, for the most part, we've only got a, a few hundred feet down at this point. We suspect it goes much, much deeper, though. Yeah, needless to say, uh, don't fall over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, you can see that the lift that they've constructed here is huge. It's a cargo lift, so there's plenty of room for everybody to pile onto it, as well as whatever equipment they were planning on bringing in and out of this place. Does anyone look over the edge down into the abyss? 100%. Nope. Sure. Anyone Looking into voids 24-7. Yeah. Florian, when you glance down into that dark depth, there's a moment where you see just a, a block of white something in your vision as you stare down. It only, it, for a moment, it's there. But then it resolves into, not white light, but a, a soft green luminescence down there in the darkness. And Amari, you see the same. Okay. Is it primarily uh, emerald aether down here, or are there other types too? The first few seams we found were quartz, but this latest vein, it's been emerald all the way down. Incredibly profitable if we can excavate its scale. Mm -hmm. And once everyone's on the lift, he'll hit a button and there's a kerchunk, and then it'll start like slowly lowering down on repulsors of some kind. And those of you here can't help but be reminded of the lift in the moon base back on the shattered moon of Talgon 3 that slowly is lowering you down into a pit. Hmm. 
the last time you descended a lift like this, you found the remains of the false court. Whatever those strange experiments were to create an artificial fey court. Those experiments which eventually funneled into the creation of Project Chimera. The lift ascends rather quickly, and the green glow beneath you grows stronger and stronger as you get lower and lower. Eventually you can make out ribbons of crystal lining the walls of the cave beneath you. You pass a couple of cliff-like edifices that it seems like the lift could also stop at, and these are places that have been mined out and excavated a little farther to create a more, like, stable place for people to stand, but you go lower and lower. As you do, the thrum you felt of static energy gets stronger and stronger as incredibly powerful aether fields begin to surround you. The energy here is very familiar to you, Oswald. This is emerald aethite, something you've had a bit of experience with working with lately. And you know that it messes with physics. That's like one of the primary things emerald aethite is better at doing than other forms. Mm -hmm. So as you descend here and you feel even lighter as you descend, it's not totally unexpected when you like feel the elevator kind of leave your feet for a second and then your feet catch back up with the elevator. Oh. But there's this like drop sensation that's happening, not because the elevator is moving any faster, but because you got a little bit lighter all of a sudden. Hold on to something. And, yeah, those of you with quick eyes would have noticed when the the operations chief grabbed onto a handrail, like, just at that point in descent. And when everyone feels the drop, he'll say, Oh, sorry about that. I'm just so used to it. Uh, yeah, you, you're going to want to hold on to something. It gets, it gets worse the deeper we go. Florian. Yes? You just ate, but you feel hungry. There's so much delicious aether around. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just to the left of the lift, there is a seam, a ribbon of little polygonal crystals that kind of like move in a zigzag just next to the lift, providing a little bit of light, but also just like tantalizingly close. You could literally reach out and touch it and it is thrumming with energy. In a place like this, you might never... Be hungry again. This world is my home now. I love everyone here, and I'll just live in the mines. Um, I'm going to spend a void die for no particular reason. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I feel like, though, Florian is cognizant enough that if I just fucking aether leech the shit out of this place, that some, I don't know, squares will be mad at me about it. So I'm going to do FYI, like some sort of... The danger gauge has gone up to four. Okay, cool, cool. Love it. Here for it. Um, I'm going to, like Florian does his, like, will grip onto the handrail with both hands. And at least for now, just resist this pull. Amari. If I need to make a roll for it, I can. Layla yes. will, as you all like reach for handholds to secure yourself a little bit, 
she reaches out and grabs your hand. Excellent. She will squeeze it gently. And when you make eye contact with her, her head will, like one ear will flick towards Florian. Uh, just like a response back of just like two like quick squeezes of her hand in confirmation. Okay. You descend deeper. Eventually you are hundreds of feet below the surface. There is no need for artificial lighting here because everything is lit with glowing green luminescent crystals. There are huge protrusions, larger than nearly the Tiresian itself, extending up from the depths below you. And beneath you just see like an open uh, geode. It is just a wealth of aethite beneath you, making it pretty clear why this lift doesn't go any deeper is just a ragged spiky pit of crystals beneath you that is slowly glowing green there is a platform uh, a lip in the rock directly in front of you where the lift stops and it seems as though that has been excavated out and there's like a central operating facility here where some equipment is being stored and there are a couple of different pathways that lead off to the left and to the right into the gemstone fields that are whelming up from the depths of the earth here. The chief will hit a switch and some lights will come on in this little uh, operations area that they've got set up here, and he will lead you into this space. So yeah, as you can see, we don't exactly know how much we're dealing with here. With a larger operation, Geminus, we could still be at this for years. Uh, Layla is looking around, like, impressed and nodding. Uh, Mike, what kind of geologic processes go into producing this amount of uh, emerald aethite? Would it be something unusual? or Give me a geology roll. <laughs> I don't have a geology roll. Yeah, I just have a planetology. So we'll just go with that... Uh, yeah, I don't know if Oswald um, would know this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you would know that. I mean, you could absolutely roll. It would be pretty incredible if you were able to just pull straight out of your ass. Oh, this is what creates these sorts of geological formations without any prior training. Right. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll roll. Yeah, it's a 25, uh, by the way. 25. Literally no egg. Uh, well, I guess with enough aether... Uh, Anything's possible with Aether and other methods. And other methods. Uh, yeah, I got a 10. So, uh, no idea. But it is a question that could be answered. Okay. Uh, you get 4 XP from the failure there. Oh, right. But you are suddenly struck by the idea that this is more emerald aether than you've seen in a lifetime. And the Storms Repose was so stingy with the amounts that they gave you. Yeah. The things that could be done with this amount of emerald aether is truly <laughs> hard to fathom. I it think. is. And you can yeah. see in this like staging area they have here, there are e there are even some like not full crates of what appear to be mined 
They're not bars, but it's definitely like long slivers of emerald aethite, about as long as a person's forearm that have been carved off and are placed in octagonal sections in boxes. Ooh. Florian? Mm-hmm. Have you moved from the lift at all? No. I'm so just chilling. I'm just observing. As everyone else is sort of funneled out into the staging area, Vesnis kind of like looking around interestingly, like, oh, this is the mines on Novkogrin are nowhere near this uh, glowy. Very little aethite on Novkogrin these days. Mm. So as you all are like filtering into the staging area, Florian is left on the lift, underlit by this green, livid light. That is kind of shadowing his eyes and giving a little bit of a pale green tint to his entire body. Hmm. Very good. Good, good, good. Florian, you blink again and you feel the hunger and the need rising up inside of you. If not for the last few days worth of people telling you that something is wrong... You might assume that this is just you feeling this feeling. But now you don't know. Because the need here is so strong. The hunger here so intense. You don't know if you've ever felt this craving before. If this is you, then something has changed. Can I... How... How, because I know this is like crystalline, but how delicate is the structure of this, uh, like material? This deep, the ones that are below you are incredibly dense. The like little frail fractals that line the walls and little seams that you could like rub your hand on and it would like come away in dust. It really depends on the size and the intensity of the crystal itself. Okay. I'm going to wait until like do my best to wait until nobody is like directly observing me and then I'm gonna do that just a little okay. like bloop are you leeching any aether when you do uh I think Florian just like sticks it immediately into his pocket so literally like grabbing a, a raking handful of crystal dust and jamming it into a pocket yep okay and I want to do that as stealthily as possible so, you got something in covert ops for me then? I don't, but I can throw a little aether in there. I always I got more aether to throw in eye, there. I, I am keeping a subtle eye on Florian, just like out okay. of the corner of my eye. So is this a contested roll? This sounds like a little bit of PvP, so you got a perception roll there for me, buddy? Yeah. Should we roll at the same time? or I think that would be the... best, yeah. Okay. then you can all compete for how much void dice you want to use to one-up each other. Can I? I don't care that. I mean, I do. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. This is exactly what Mike's been waiting for. The PvP that just fuels him. I, I believe we all remember the Veil one-shot when it got ridiculously out of hand, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I was so close. <laughs> so close to achieving my goal. <laughs> 
nothing gets by detective way. sasquatch what am i rolling that's a yeah. secret <laughs> no i'm not i'm like i'm curious i like i already have my my two dice picked like i'm rolling a d6 and a d4 oh i mean i don't have any skill in this unless i can use okay. influence which i don't think i can no this is squarely in covert ops i think yeah yeah um but i'm putting some aether in there oh, okay for right. sure oh okay Lovely. All right. And, uh, Florian, make sure that talent died separate in case you get that one on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a tactic die. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're just rolling a tactic, if you get a one on just yeah. that tactic. No. Yeah. I know. Okay. I just mean, like, it's different than all my Aether die because oh, okay. they're all okay, okay. D6s. Roll them bones, my players. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got an eight. Okay. I got an eight. <laughs> Oh, you got an eight, you say? Yeah, I got an eight. I to re-roll that one because of... Okay. I got a... Uh, seven. A 27. So if you want to roll some uh, void dice nope, to... Nope. To beat me, then you can. Mm-mm. You're free no. to do that. Nope. You glance away for a moment, Amari, as you are... Your attention is drawn to some mining equipment that is being shown off to you. And by the time you look back, Florian has his hands in his pockets and is, like, standing nervously on the platform, seemingly in self-restraint. Yeah, it seems like he's got it under control. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for him. Um, since I failed a roll, do I get XP for that? I feel like that would be a, a way to game the system. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. We don't really have any established rules for PvP failure. I'm gonna say no. Mm. Okay. Yeah. See, that's that's exactly what I would say too. Makes sense. Make a note to add that to the rule book. It would be an interesting way to constantly keep your characters in conflict. We true. Just encourage that. True. 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 Mm. I don't know if I necessarily encourage PvP so much as I relish it. Yeah. After this brief show about of this place, the operations chief would say, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, we're, we're not exactly a huge operation here, Geminis. And you are shown back to the lift. Rising up and away from this place, that hunger slowly subsides, Florian, as you get farther and farther away from the source of that temptation, though feeling that like gritty dust in your pocket, you have to be very careful when you pull your hand out that there's no residue on your palm as it comes away. Coming up and out of the mine, you are back in the cool night air of this mining camp. You didn't quite realize how warm it was down there until you're back out into the night air, but it was surprisingly warm underground. The night is full of insect sounds, buzzing and chirping and little squawks here and there off in the distance. It's not quite like cicada drones, but it's definitely like a field full of crickets. Coming out of the mine, the chief would wonder if anyone has any other questions for him. As you've basically seen the entirety of the operation now. Right. Hmm. I can think of. Yeah. <clears throat> Most of mine are more about like long-term plans rather than like the, this specific uh, thing. What is it? Yeah. Uh, what is it you need in the immediate future? 
Well, to optimize mining of that particular vein, better equipment, more men, a larger operational space we could probably use with a few uh, excavators, maybe some heavier-duty equipment. I mean, I could think of half of a dozen ways we could expand the operation pretty quickly if we had the right tools and enough people to do it. Can you get some of that writing for me? Uh, tonight? No, I, not tonight. Just whenever you can. Uh, sure, yeah. I'll, I'll write up a list. And your wife will say, any it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, are there any other things you'd be needing around camp that aren't specific to the mine operation itself? Uh, oh, wouldn't say no to a hollow theater? And a bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Had to ask. Had to ask. Why not? Uh, I mean, sure. I'd, I'd be weird if you did laser tag arena. Oh, yeah. Rec one of those. Recreation yeah. is, is important. Yeah, for downtime. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know some of the lads would love a, a high quality Solaris board. We're mostly dealing with the, the 2D crap here, but a 3D board would be great. So yeah, like he he lists off a couple of basic, like more fun amenities that might be nice, but it's nothing he's looking to have. Like actual housing would be cool. An actual like kitchen would be nice. Mm -hmm. A Solaris board I can do, but a kitchen I'm come I'm not made of money. <laughs> but yeah, all all the things he asked for are seem fairly low-key and reasonable, but again, this guy seems like the sort who is running a small operation and is used to the small operation problems. Even he maybe doesn't know what a larger scale in this place might look like. As you are coming away from the mine, it isn't until all of the chirping suddenly stops that you realize something is wrong. All of the insect sound suddenly cuts out, and you're left in this still, dull silence of night as you walk into the center of the camp here. You can see that there's still some lights on in people's uh, personal quarters. There are still lights on in the mess hall. There are still people hanging out in there as well. But there's this dread silence that suddenly falls over the camp, and you are struck by that sudden silence. You don't know what exactly is wrong looking around you can't see anything immediately the patrol's still going you glance around and you see one of the soldiers like patrolling down the the center he'll give you a nod and he's looking around kind of curiously as well i mean i would be overly cautious and tell everyone to like i don't know like come back, like, uh, fall in, right? Something's not right. Okay. Uh, can I, can I, I ping? Mean, I don't have, I was going to say, can, do we have any way to contact Mara other than just pinging her on our, like, You have personal pads? communications, yeah. yeah. You have, like, personal yeah. comms. Also, are there, like, any signs of life from the, like, community quarters or is it just like completely just like completely silent and dead <laughs> people will start sticking their heads out of doors like wondering where the background okay. noise went okay 
I want to ask Mara if she's got anything on any scans. Uh, oh, yes. What precisely are you scanning for, Amari? I have multiple uh, wavelengths I could be scanning for. Any anomalies, anything in orbit. Something doesn't seem right out here. Mm, nothing currently in orbit other than the comm buoy. Okay, uh, any, any life signs outside camp? Many life signs outside of camp, yes. Can this planet you, uh, is teeming with life. Right, can you change it to larger life forms, uh, humanoid in size? I'm sorry, the scans on board of the ship are struggling to deal with the amount of biomass around the area. I would maybe be able to narrow the band if it were inside of a spaceship, but on a terrestrial world, that is difficult. Everyone is just looking around, really weirded out by the quiet. Eventually, though, operations chief will just, like, wave a hand and say, Ah, everyone, back to what you're doing. It's nothing. Animals just got spooked by something. Who knows? You call out for a check-in, and everybody seems to check in one after the other. Everyone's accounted for after a few minutes of asking around and checking in via comms. But it is quiet here in the mining camp. The occasional opening of a door, the creak of a panel, the cough of someone in the distance are sharp little staccato notes in the silence. Is there any way that the emerald aethite would be able to affect the camp in some way? Uh, like the in a sound damping? Or, well, I guess it wouldn't be sound damping each other but why would it happen all of a sudden the, well we just came know. back up out of the mine like, yeah but we brought like we didn't affect we didn't bring any with us except for a tiny amount of dust like the other thing i'm thinking is something was hungry down in the mines and the other animals know it something was hungry down in those mines something that is now not in the mines. I can go back down there if it makes the animals more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an outsider on this world. Anything for them animals, really. Imagine an ocean. The seas calm and still. Wind does not move across those waters. No wave tumbles along those placid blue plain. Seen from above, it is a perfect, unbroken field of greens and blues. But the keen observer will notice a shadow moving within those swirling colors. Just below the surface, not breaking the tension just yet, waiting, circling. It knows that something, prey, a rival, possibly a mate, is near. And it circles, and it waits, the water yet unbroken. But for now, there is silence. And those who stand just above the water, unaware of what lies beneath, move about their business and attempt to find a night's rest in the silence, here, in this mining camp on an uncharted world in the middle of nowhere space. It is quiet that night when the first person dies. And exactly what happens, we will have to find out 
next time. Because as always, you can find us online at MatcomRPG on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us at MaterialComponentsRPG at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. You can find me on Twitter at CryOutOlivia. I am always there talking about D&D and other RPGs and also just a lot of other nerd stuff. So come hang out. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis. I'm an illustrator and graphic designer, doing a lot of tabletop RPG and other fan art. You can also support me on Patreon and Coffee. Links to both of those are in my Twitter profile. You can find me at The Readamus on Instagram and Twitter, where I post jokes and lots and lots of photos of nature. So come check it out. And you cannot find me on social media, but what you can do is support our show by rating and reviewing it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Please, please, please do so. Indeed, and finally, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at MKGorgoni, where I'm always happy to talk about all things material components. But as always, the world is chaos, so please, be kind to each other. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.